are listening to Women and Music by Goldhand Girls. And we are your hosts, Alexa Ace and Michaela Chandler. Today's main topic is music photography. And being a music photographer myself, I relate a lot to our guest. The photo pit is a music photographer's best friend and a lifelong dream to others. Asia is a professional music photographer, videographer, and producer. She has been on international tours with acts such as Louis Capaldi, The Japanese House, and Pale Waves. In addition, Asia is a Brick Award-winning documentary filmmaker with featured work in Billboard, Capitol Records, GQ, ID Magazine, and more. Introducing Asia Murata. Drumroll, please. Hi, how are you? Hey, <laughs> good. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. We are so excited to talk to you today. Um, mainly because you're just a bad ass creative. Kicking ass. Yeah. Oh gosh. So I one thing you're gonna learn about me very quickly is that I don't respond well to compliments. I'm <laughs> oh gonna my learn. Goodness. Me either. I'm yeah, I yeah. It's hard. I, I, I choke up. I choke up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm learning just to say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Um I am a producer, director, video editor, photographer. How'd you get started as a photographer? Let's start there. Um, I, you know, I always gravitated toward taking photos. I grew up in a family that had like collections of books, of photos of each family member, which is like such a beautiful thing to have growing up and like really getting to learn your relatives histories through photos and my grandparents started that so I guess I kind of fell into it from them and yeah like that it always seemed it never really seemed like it would be my career when I was younger it was it's not that I wasn't interested in it but I just didn't really know the opportunities were there Mm -hmm. to be a photographer um, when I was younger and it was kind of when I got into high school that I started realizing that like I was bringing a camera around me everywhere I went and like everything I did, I just was always taking photos of and it all kind of clicked when I got into college. Um, I was going to school for documentary film production because I originally, I mean, I, I guess I am kind of in film still, but I wanted to be an actress and then realized that I couldn't be an actor or an actress. I wasn't very... I don't know. I wasn't very good at it. It's hard. Um, it's a hard career. It's very hard. Yeah. Um, I, I I think it was more so that it's not that I couldn't do it. It's that I was very uncomfortable being in front of a camera. Um, and then I found comfort behind it and realized that I could do that. And that led me here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's so much of an identity behind the camera just as much yeah. as there is in front of the camera. That's a great point. And it's so interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you photographers and, and DPs and, you know, there's so much of an influence that they have on their subject that it, it's, it's not that it's overlooked, but it's definitely not highlighted when people really, you know, watch films or, or look at photographs. You're, you're focused on the subject, but not so much of what is going into it from behind the scenes. What was your first camera? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think my first camera was, I mean, I was always shooting on um, like disposable cameras, like from the 
like Walgreens or a grocery store. But I think the first digital camera I got was a Sony, I think it was Sony Cybershot, maybe. I'm not even sure. It was like literally the size of a pack of gum. And it was like four megapixels. And I think the SD card Hundred and twenty-eight millip, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. File sizes were so small; like, everything about it was so small. But yeah, that, I I still have it at, back at my parents' house. I think I gotta I gotta find it. Aww. Did you stick with Sony after that? No, um, my first DSLR was a Nikon, um, a Nikon D forty, I think, and then. I abandoned Nikon altogether because I hated it. Sorry mm-hmm. to everyone. First Nikon. I mean, they've grown in in a massive way since I had that camera. So their cameras are amazing now. But um, no, I primarily shoot on Canon and Sony now. Yeah, Canon team. Canon team were done. Yeah, that's my shit. Gotta love them. Except that R five nonsense. R five, R six. I'm just. I don't know how to feel about their mirrorless series just yet. Same, same. I have a lot of. Um... I don't know. There's something about, for me, lugging around the camera. It doesn't feel right when you're holding a mirrorless for some reason. Personally. Yeah, I like the weight. I like yeah. the weight and I like the struggle. So, <laughs> I don't know. Making things difficult on purpose. But yeah. But you know how to work it. You get the shot. Yeah. Um. So, you said that your grandparents, they're the ones who got you into photography. Did they develop film or did they teach you how to shoot? It was definitely a kind of thing where, like, they would drop off their film, I think. Or, like, they had a close family friend who was developing film for them. But... They, it was more so that I would kind of just sneak around and grab the camera <laughs> from them. It, it wasn't like they bestowed it upon me or anything. I just kind of saw how much joy it brought my grandfather to take photos of our family. And I was like, oh, well, that seems like fun. I should try this. And would just like go into his nightstand table and grab the cameras from out of there and just take photos of like walls and plants and he'd get the he'd get the roles developed and be like uh I, I don't know what happened here I don't know who did this and then I'd have to fess up that's such a beautiful bond like yeah. it creates between like your family but not only like a passion for you I love that yeah, so much it's it honestly like I don't I, I wish he really got to know how much it meant to us like it it's all we have each member of my family, even my dad, who's like, this is my mom's uh, parents who did this, but my dad had his own book. And like, you know, it's like, it was like meant to be like for their kids and their kids only, but they, they went as far as to like make a book for my dad too, who like, who also is influenced me massively with cameras. Cause he, while he wasn't taking photos, he always had a video camera around. So it was always, it was always in my life. There was always lenses in my face. So it's only natural that you picked it up and made it your own. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like your family definitely motivated you and challenged you. Was there a point in your life that you felt like you went from being an amateur to being like, wow, I am a professional now? Oh, um, I laugh because I think I, I don't think I'll ever feel that way just because it, it's not like a self-deprecating thing. I just feel like. I don't want to give myself the credit of the name professional until later in my life. Like the industry changes so rapidly nowadays. And like, especially with all the gear that comes out and like all the different types of way to shoot. And 
there's so much to be learned about it that I couldn't ever con- consider myself a true professional until I really knew the ins and outs of every aspect I wanted to learn about photography and filmmaking for that matter. That's not to say I'm not, I don't handle myself professionally. I do, but I, I think I, I think I set the bar very high for myself. So I'm always learning. I don't want to settle. I love. That. I don't want to feel like I've reached like a maximum capacity of something or, or knowledge. And yeah. My mind is just blowing that you do not consider yourself a professional considering <laughs> I mean, all the talent that you have worked with and all the talent that you have just produced yourself. I am shook it. Yeah, my jaw dropped in the best way. <laughs> I, like so much respect I, for that answer. I present myself. I, I definitely present myself as a professional and it, and I'm happy to be seen as a professional, but I think because I am the way I am, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to see myself in that way because I always want to grow. And when I see someone, when I, when I see the word professional, I immediately attribute that to that person is the best at their craft and they know everything of what they're putting into their craft. And while I do know a lot about what I'm doing, I, there's just, there's just so much more to learn, but yeah, I, I, I do see myself as a professional. I just it, secretly to myself, it's hard for me to say it. <laughs> I have so much respect for that. So much. What was your first gig as a photographer? Uh, in the music industry. Wow. In the music industry, my first gig was I photographed a band called the Maccabees. They're a British band. Um, absolutely incredible band if you don't know of them. And unfortunately they're no longer together but they have an insane discography that you could like dive into um and it was it was a very it was kind of a fluke like I'd been put in touch with a girl named Steph Harland and she was running a music publication over in the UK and needed a photographer in Brooklyn and uh a friend had reached out to me and like gave me the details and he was like I know that like you have a camera and like I know that you really love music, but I don't know, maybe this would interest you. Like this girl needs photos taken of this band. And I was like, ah, I've never heard of them, but yeah, I'll go and check it out. And it was at Music Hall of Williamsburg. And that was it for me. Wow. Like, like the the first photo I took, like the first, th- I mean, there was no photo pit there. So to have my first big gig be a gig with no photo pit, I was like, oh, I'm oh. just going to like here and take photos okay like this is new um but I mean I just fell in love I fell in love with the band like they're that whole experience brought me one of my favorite bands ever and it lit something up in me like it, it kind of strayed that whole night strayed me away from film in a in a weird way like just seeing that there was a different that there was another medium that I could explore, really explore and incorporate my love for music. We're sitting over here, like looking at each other, like you're, you're just incredible. Like the fact that you, (laughs) the Maccabees was your first gig. That was my first gig. That is incredible. I think, yeah, 2011. How old were you? How old am I now? I'm like, (laughs) um, I think I was like 21, 20. Yeah, I was 21. How'd you pick up? photography in the music business after that how'd you find your next gig oh well that was it for me I was just like 
I love this. I only want to do this. This is like, I mean, it's not that I only wanted to do it, but it was just like, I was working. So I was going to school part-time and I was working in the film industry part-time. I took, I took like, um, a break in my courses to be able to work in film as well. Cause I felt like I was learning more about what I wanted to do with my life on set than I was in school, but I still needed to get a degree. So like shooting music was just like, not only a fun pastime, but it was like, wow, okay, there's, there's definitely room for a career in this. And I think after that, I just started following other music photographers that I'd been introduced to that night and picking their brains. And I was like, listen, how do I keep doing this? Cause like, you know, you guys are shooting for Rolling Stone and like, I'm not there yet, but I'd love to get there one day. And they gave me a rundown and, you know, you just have to reach out to the band's publicist, the band's management, and hopefully you'll have an outlet to give the photos to. But if not, you can, you know, if you're just starting out kind of taboo because you're working, but offer a couple of photos to give to them for socials. That's it's definitely a a good foot in the door and it can lead you to getting paid. Did you transition from being freelance to shooting for a publication when you were trying to first get in, get your foot into the door? Um, no, there was no one that I like exclusively shot for. And, and it was, it was very difficult to find places that would be, open to it at the time because like I don't know I feel like the emergence of music photography really kind of came to a head in like 2013 2014 at least in New York or that's what I was noticing I just started seeing a lot more music photographers and when I've when I found myself struggling to find outlets I was like you know what I'm just gonna start my own like that's the only way I'm going to be able to do this with no issue. And I, I don't have to like beg someone to let me do this thing for them. And most of the time it was for free. It's like, why am I begging for this? I'm just going to start my own. And I started a, a very small publication called VZN um, with a friend, Eric Mooney. And that later transitioned into another, like a, a, a different publication named Portraits of Sound, which was affiliated with a a photographer named Victoria Sanders. Um, And then it just kind of got out of my hands. But giving myself the opportunity to make room for myself to shoot was really beneficial for me. I think it's so important that you said that you started your own publication out of that. Yeah, it was just like, I was getting so disheartened by like, the denials from bands and like, not really being able to go and do like I would buy the tickets. I'd be like, listen, yeah, I already have a ticket too. Gig. Can I just come do it? Like exactly. And they were just like, no, sorry. Like we, you know, there needs to be some kind of affiliation with an outlet. We, mm-hmm. you know, we need the press. It's like this can't just like live on your website. And I'm like, I get that, but <laughs> but, but I want to shoot. <laughs> I was like, please. <laughs> and then um, yeah, it, it you know uh. I, I work a lot with Dirty Hit. Um, they're an independent label and they were they were definitely one of the more um, open labels to allowing me to come and, and shoot their gigs. And it was, that really helped me kind of get my foot in the door and, and they, they've been so awesome and longtime clients and friends. And How'd you get that gig? Yeah. 
I think I, what was it? Yeah, I started, um, I remember I, so my now husband introduced me to the 1975 in 2013. That was like his, his, uh, he sent me a mixtape with one of their B-sides from their first record on it. And I was like, well, you know, this is it for me. I love this band. I love everything about them. I want to photograph them. And I saw them at GovBall that year. And I like, I I wasn't shooting GovBall. I I got denied. I didn't have a publication to shoot for. It was just, it was tough times. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to reach out to the label and see if they'd be cool with me shooting one of their gigs next time they're in town. And they were so wonderful about it. They were like, yeah, come on out. Like, sure. And this was like, you know, club gigs where it was like 200 people, 250 people and really small, intimate venues. And that was, that was just like the beginning with them. And I just started shooting a lot of their gigs when they were in town. And then it started, you know, when they were like in Jersey or in Florida or like anywhere on the East coast, I was kind of just like there shooting. And in 1975, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and then, um, I would go over to England to visit my husband because we were long distance and I would go see their labels, uh, like their, their roster, like any artist on their roster. I would just go to their gigs while I was over there just because I was like so enamored with like such a finely tuned labels roster. Like every artist on their label, I was just like, holy shit, this is like some of the best music I've heard in years. I couldn't get over it. And started building a relationship with them and shooting gigs whenever I was in England. So it was, yeah, it was, it was really awesome. Really great. I just have to go back to the fact and just applaud you for showing up even after you got denied, mm. because I feel like there are so many times that you, to, photographers, to go ball. Yeah, yeah, that people get denied to stuff and they just won't go mm. and they kind of hold yeah. that resentment. So like props off, hats off to you because that that takes a lot of guts, I feel like. Yeah, I you know, the thing the thing for me is is like even if I get denied, like the the main reason I love to photograph live music is is mostly because of the artist. Like it's not just like a oh, this artist looks really cool, like I want to photograph them, the photos will come out great. It's an experience for me. Like music is the most important thing in my life. So whether or not I'm photographing the gig, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be at the gig. Like I love music that much. And, you know, to be able to photograph it for a living, it's a blessing. Like it's it's a very hard job, but the reward is getting to be surrounded by sounds that like influenced my entire life up until this point. And yeah, I mean, why wouldn't I go to a gig if I got denied? You know, it's like, I can't take that to heart. Yeah, music. Exactly. Wow. So you said you started working with Dirty Hit. Is that how you also started working with the Japanese house? Yeah, yeah. So I was over in England one summer and I'd been following the label's social media and everything and they dropped um, her first single. and she was just under the moniker of the Japanese house. There were no images of Amber. There was no, like, you could not put a face to the name. You didn't know who was singing. And I loved everything about that. I was like, this is like, 
this is incredible. I don't know of anyone doing anything like this right now. And it's, you know, it's in the rise of social media. So everyone wants to be known and wants to be seen. And this artist just is releasing music, but you don't know who it is. Like, this is incredible. Like, so I reached out to them because I was in town the same time she, uh, she was going to be playing at, I can't even remember where the venue was, but it was somewhere in Hackney. And, um, I was like, listen, hey guys, like I'm in town. Like, I really, really love the Japanese house. Would there be any possibility of me photographing the gig? Like, I I know that there's no photos of them, them, me not knowing that it's just Amber Bain. Like, I'd absolutely no clue. And um, they were like, yeah, you know, we just gotta check because we don't we don't really know how this is gonna move forward. We just wanna make sure that she's cool with it. And I was like, she's cool with it. Like, what? Who? What? She? And they got me on the list and I went and photographed the gig and I was like, I, her music like changed my life completely. Like I, I'm very much, um, I, I take pride in loving all kinds of music, but her sound resonates with me in a very different way than most other music does. So to be able to have gone and photographed, it was like, it was her first gig, I think. Wow. Ever. And, um, yeah, I like I sent the photos and the relationship just kind of started from there, but it it didn't actually take form for I want to say maybe like a year, a year and a half. Like I didn't tour with her until almost 2 years after that gig. Wow. So now you've kind of come full circle. Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah, absolutely. What other um tours have you been on as a tour photographer? Um I have done tours with Japanese House. I did the Candescents, who were another dirty hit band, um, Pale Waves, Louis Capaldi. And yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's it. That's so cool. I've never been on tour. I can't wait to go on tour, though. Um, it's an experience. It's <laughs> Tell us about it. Um, Especially being a photographer have... on tour. Yeah, it's, I mean, you're hopefully it's a situation where you're not bound to travel like in the sense of you know you have a little bit of downtime at each stop and you're not just quickly load in load out get back on the road because those are those are a bit wearing but it's an experience like no other like I mean you must be comfortable with not showering for a few days um and learning how to control when you need to use the restroom because you can't typically like your bus will not have a restroom on it first go around most likely but um yeah and uh that's important to know too yeah because I feel like a lot of people think it's very glamorous and yeah I mean you are speaking the truth that is real not showering like I love that you immediately like yeah you got to be comfortable with not showering you got to be comfortable with holding it for a bit yeah for a long bit um, <laughs> is the first tour you went on, how is that different from the tours that you've been on recently? Um, so my first tour was with the Japanese house in the U.S. And that was, I think that was, yeah, that was like her first headline tour, but it was like on the smaller end. It was very like intimate and wonderful and close. And, you know, the, we were in a bandwagon and there was like seven of us. Wow. So it was very like tight space, but it was, it became like family very quickly, which is like a wonderful thing about tour. You just, 
you come to terms with the fact that these are the people you are going to be with for the foreseeable future and you get to know each other really fast and you build great relationships usually and it was exciting like it, it wasn't as intense as my most recent tour but it it was exciting in its own way because it was all new who was your most recent tour with um my most recent tour was with pale waves and they were opening for halsey on her european uk tour Ugh, that's amazing <laughs> yeah that one that one was oh god that was quick moving wow. and um I know we spoke about this briefly when um, we talked privately, but can you talk to us a little bit about when you were on tour with Pale Waves and how and what happened just a little bit and how that impacted your career? You're very out of control on tour. That's the thing. You have to be okay with being out of control. Um, I was four days into their European tour with them and our bus flipped and it was a very terrifying experience to say the least. It was always a thought in my mind when I was on tour, when I was touring with other artists, not just them, just just discomfort of being on a bus and it being so big and, you know, you're sleeping on this thing and you're waking up in a different place. And you're trusting the driver too. trusting the driver who you don't know, like at all. You know, you just kind of meet them your first day and, you know, you get to know them. But it's been a very difficult road out of that accident because the pandemic happened like two days after so it was just a lot at once yeah a lot of change in the beginning I saw the pandemic as uh, an opportunity for me to slow down a little bit and like you know regroup um because I was just it was one tour after the other from the start of this year I, I was only home I think six days in the first three months of the year of this year and um That's tour life yeah. And it was my first time like really being away mm. as, as a way as I was. Cause I mean, I've been touring from like September of last year into March of this year. And like the only break I had was like three days for Christmas, a couple days in between tours in January. And then, yeah, that all came to a screeching halt mm. after, after the bus crash. But yeah, so I was like, damn, I'm really not shooting anything for the rest of the year. <laughs> well, but Take you quickly break. changed that, didn't you? Because you started yeah. a little side project. Could you tell I us did. a little bit I... about that? Yes, and before I do, let it be known, don't bring all your cameras on tour with you. Did God you? forbid anything ever happened. No, no. Okay. I, 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 left, I left two at home, but I remember the day before I left, I was like, maybe I'll take them. Oh. I was like, nah, I'm, gonna, I'm bringing too much stuff. Never mind, no. Thank God I did that because I would have been left with absolutely nothing. But but yeah, uh, I gave my, myself a little bit of time to regroup, but I can't sit still for very long. So it wasn't long before I started uh, coming to my window and did my little window portrait pandemic project. And that was like really therapeutic for me and wonderful. And it got me connecting with people again on an emotional level after feeling very isolated from the accident and yeah all right so let's get straight to it so you're on tour with Louis Capaldi yes what's it like to be around such a character um I suffered from migraines almost every night <laughs> and laughing so hard oh god like so I think a lot of people have this con like a misconception about him that 
you know, oh, he's just like that for the cameras. Like he's just playing it, like goofing around. He's not. No, it's nonstop. That's it so is fun. nonstop. I love his TikToks. He is a master of social media. <laughs> when you're on tour, especially with someone who's high profile, is there anything that's off limits? I never really got that vibe from him. And I always said to him at the beginning of the tours, I was like, listen, if anything's changed, you know, you let me know. If you tell me you're not really in the mood to have me around, like to photograph whatever's going on, you just give me a heads up and I'm totally fine. Because I never want, I never wanted to feel like I was imposing in someone's space, Mm. especially someone who works as hard as he does. Because I think a lot of people think that artists just live this like fun life day in day out like they're being whisked away to all these parties and like all these things and that's not the case like what they're doing is work it looks great and like you know it's a it's a fun time but they're working and just how I wouldn't like anyone to get in the way of my work I would never want to get in anyone else's way of their work and he never really gave me any limitations which was amazing Since I haven't been on tour and I'm also a photographer, that's something I've always wondered is, you know, when you were being hired by labels or whatever, do you go in there and then do they say, yeah, this is a list of things that we do not want, or this is a list of things you're not allowed to post about? Like, how do you know when you can even post a story? Because artists are, they have to be. So protective. Yeah. It's definitely a discussion you need to have up front before you get on the tour. Because a lot of the time, I don't think that a lot of labels and a lot of management companies for these artists really understand what goes into being a tour photographer and what they're actually there to do. Like, they're not just there to photograph the gigs. And I mean, unless specified otherwise, you know, but you're there to document the artists day in, day out. And there needs to be boundaries that are set in the beginning for both the photographer and the artist. You should never, ever, ever put yourself in a position where you're giving more than is what's expected, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely makes sense, especially with an artist. Who else have you worked with? Um, I started off with Bravo, believe it or not. (laughs) I worked at at Bravo for a bit. Uh, Well, bravotv.com. So I I was web producing for Bravo's website. Um, and then I worked for BuzzFeed and then I, I moved on to Sirius and that hands down is like probably my favorite full-time job I've ever had. When you're working at BuzzFeed or Sirius XM or Bravo, what are you doing? Are you directing? Are you photographing? Are you producing? What does that look like? Oh, I am producing, directing, editing, coloring, sound designing. It's a lot. It's a lot, but I love it because I'm very much a hands-on type person where like, I love working with teams, but if I'm assigned to do something like that's my baby and I like being in control of everything that falls into it. How does it differ working with a team versus being a freelance creative for yourself? Like what are, what are some of those characteristics or things you're looking for in a team versus yourself? That's a, that's such a good question. (laughs) Damn, I wasn't expecting that one. It just Um, came to the top of my brain. (laughs) I think when I'm sourcing for a team, I just want like-minded, open-hearted people that care about the craft as much as I do and 
who aren't afraid to give suggestions because I love, I love collaborating with people. Like I love if like a prop stylist came in and was like, oh, you should actually like shift this over here. I think it might look better here in this light. Or as much as I love having control, I don't mind passing it over to someone else who might have a good outlook on what this shoot could be. Mm. And that's a really important thing because in, when I was in film school, I didn't trust my classmates enough to help me on my thesis. I did my thesis all on my own and I burnt myself out because, I mean, it was my thesis and it was my idea and no other student's going to care about my project as much as I care about my project. So why bother? Like, I'm just going to do it all myself. But it showed me that like, no, no, there, you know, you need to, you need to put trust in other people creatively, you know, you need to be able to share. Yeah, it is. It's very hard to do that. But I think, you know, it's so important to have discussions with other creatives before bringing them on to work with you and just seeing that, you know, they can make the shoot as great of an experience as you could on your own. Absolutely. So what's it like to be a full-time creative? What's your hustle like? You mean right now or like in general? Because right now, uh, (laughs) nothing's going on. Feel it. (laughs) Feel it. Um, Just working for yourself. What, what is that like? Cause I know when I, when I first went full-time freelance, which was January of this year, almost eight months strong. It's hard. It's a hard <laughs> life. It's a, it's hard to get gigs. It's well, it's, it's hard, but it's, it's a lot it, of discipline. It is. It is. And you want to keep yourself on track and give yourself the best opportunities and stay organized. So yeah. what's it like for you when you were working full-time freelance or, or even right now, how do you find gigs? I mean, when everything was when everything was normal, um, I started I started finding myself having weeks where I had no work. And I was getting a little stressed out about it and waiting for emails to come in and people to reach out. And I just thought to myself, oh, what what is it going to take for me to see that I can't sit and wait for people to reach out? Mm. Like, I just can't. Yes, say it again. And it... <laughs> It clicked. I was just like, no, I, again, need to make these opportunities for myself. It doesn't matter if I'll get denied. It doesn't matter if they say they don't need me. It doesn't, that doesn't matter. I need to make the effort to have my name seen in their inboxes, have my work seen. You know what I mean? It's like, you are your biggest champion. Yep. You have to fight for yourself. And I mean, finding work, trying to find work is work. Mm, So I would set a schedule for myself every week, Monday through Friday, and give myself about four hours on the computer, sending emails out, networking, touching base, making coffee dates with other creatives that like I'd love to pick their brains or like see if I could work on their sets with them. Because while I am marketing myself as a photographer and as a director and whatever, I'm okay taking jobs that I'm not marketing myself as. I'm okay being a photo assistant. I'm okay being a digitech. Like I, I'm well versed in those things. So why wouldn't I take the opportunity to do that? Exactly. It's you know. So you, you, I understand when people say you know you have to stick to one role and really push your name in that one role, but we live in a world where you'll get hired by a client and they'll ask you to take photos for someone. And then at the end of the day, be like, can you shoot a little bit of video of this? I think this would look really good if we made like a 15 second. And it's like, 
you have to be all these things to get by. I'm not saying that, that that's the case for everyone, but it was the case for me. And I resisted it a little bit, but as soon as I started embracing it, I found myself landing jobs. So yeah, in the, in the moments I wasn't like looking and networking, I would give myself the rest of the day to just like teach myself new things about my craft that I didn't think I was particularly good at. Can you mention some of those? Yeah. Um, color correction and Photoshop was like the bane of my existence. I had no understanding of color theory at all. I would just mess around in Lightroom until I saw what I liked. liked And then, yeah. And then I was like, all right, well, this works, I guess. But then I really, because again, I didn't go to school for photography. That was all very self-taught. And I went to school for documentary filmmaking and you don't really learn about color and like anything like that in school. So I was really just brushing up on the things that I lacked in my formal education. Even though I did learn a lot from college, it just, you know, it didn't expand on really to the lengths that I wanted it to. And it's like you said earlier too, it's like photography and all media, it's just, it's consistently evolving. It doesn't ever stop evolving. You always have to stay on top and learn and really spend those extra hours teaching yourself. So I think that's really, that's a really great thing. What would you tell younger you looking back at mini photographer Asia? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Start enforcing better posture on yourself now. That's what I would tell her. Stand taller now because your back is going to hurt when you get into your mid twenties. I thought you were talking metaphorically. I was like, I will stand tall. (laughs) But we're holding all the gear. I get it. The gear and also metaphorically. I mean, you got to fight for yourself. I wish I, I wish I fought for myself earlier in my career. I love that. I do have one more question for you, Asia. If you could kind of sum up in one word, what does it mean to you to be a woman in the music industry right now? Hmm. For me, it means hope. It means hope that I will be seen as equal when I'm on set Mm -hmm. and not as this five foot two girl that they didn't even know was the photographer when she walked on set. Like to be regarded as a person who takes their craft super seriously, just like any other man. And and you're in the photo (laughs) pit and you just want to be taken seriously. You're not just a fucking fan that's walking in to the photo pit with credentials on. And then someone's like, who is, who's this woman? Here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you're a fan. Mm. It doesn't matter. I go, I used to get a little embarrassed by myself when I'd go into the pit singing the songs of the artist that was on stage and how other male photographers were seeing me when they turn around and give me a look. Like, how did she get this? It's like, you know what? I'm one of the reasons this person is still employed on stage singing. I give them my money. I give them my time. I give them my attention. And I'm also taking their photos now. Why wouldn't any artist want fans in their photo pit as well? I'm speechless. That is one of the best responses I think I've ever heard. And that also opened up my eyes because I am, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm that person that sometimes I won't sing the the songs when I'm by the, behind the camera. Or sometimes I I get a little misty eyed when you're when you're photographing a really big artist and you're like, wow, I'm so grateful to be here. And and I, I sometimes I hide that from the other photographers because I don't I want to just do my job. I have a better question for you. Could you imagine being a music photographer that isn't moved 
by the by the artists that they're photographing Boring. i would hate that they probably hate their job no like passion. what no no that's that's the thing it's like because there's like this weird like, shame almost attached to like seeing the lyrics and like crying and being like fuck i love this song and it's, no more it's those yeah it's those emotions that made me become like it, it led me here like it's it's that effect that the music had on me that led me to my profession why do women get torn apart for being fans of an artist why mm-hmm. <laughs> like what what is it mm-hmm. damn and then they don't get taken seriously because they express interest in the artists that they're photographed like give me a fucking break yeah. Yes, I'm a professional, but I'm also a fan. I could be both. Damn. I don't yes, have to. You can. Yeah. That's going to be the tagline for the show now. Yes, you can. I'm, I'm not. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, yeah, I'm you a can. professional, but also. I thought it was going to be George. <laughs> George. Shout out, George. Oh, he just came in the room. Oh, he probably heard you. He heard us. Love it. <laughs> um. Okay, so lastly, what... What are some of your gold moments? We we love this question, obviously, because it has the word gold in it. But what are some of your gold moments, meaning? Moments you're most proud of. or Yeah, when you're like, wow, I've, I did this. I am here. I've worked for this. I think when Lewis played his Brooklyn, his Brooklyn show at Brooklyn Steel, and I was on stage photographing, it was like, I was always kind of nervous to step onto the stage and photograph the artist because it's like, what the, mm-hmm. the fans are going to see me. Like, what do you mean? Like, you know, but yeah. he was, he was embracing of it. And he was like, yeah, no, like do more of that. I really enjoy that. Mm. And I did it and I got the shot that I always wanted to get. And it was just, it was, it was just, a, it was perfect. Wow. It, it wasn't even about the photo. It was just kind of like getting. You did it. Yeah. Yeah, like when I first started music photography, like that was what I wanted. I wanted to get to that point. And then I realized like, holy shit, I'm, this is it. That I'm my first time doing this and my first time on a stage doing my job, like Mm. behind the artist in front of thousands of people. It's very terrifying when you look out, but then you're like, oh my God, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a gold, gold moment. Wow. Where can they find you, Asia? Where can you be found online? At Asia Murata across all platforms. <laughs> and your website? AsiaMurata.com. Expect to see a lot of dog content. George. On most social media. <laughs> Thank you so much yeah, for your time. We are great, so appreciative. Man. Thank you guys. This is wonderful. I wish I could squeeze and thank every single one of you for listening to this week's episode. Music photographers, don't stop reaching out to publications or start your own publication. That's how Goldhand Girls can be. The more consistent you are with your follow-through, the greater the outcome, especially in the music industry. Don't you dare be afraid to blare your favorite songs. Some on repeat for me this week are Daisy by Ash Nico and Heartbreak Hotel by Abigail Barlow. And some songs on repeat for me this week are Rooftop Dancing by Sylvan Esso and In My Time of Dying by Led Zeppelin. See you next week. Bye.